0: We are continuing the series, the top 10. What are the top 10 things God God wants us to know? And believe it or not, this Friday, hopefully, uh, the the Olympics will start. And uh, for many people, they've been training their entire lives. And they have watched everything they've eaten and everything they've drank. And the amount of sleep and the amount of time they put into exercise. All for this uh, next couple of weeks of the Olympics. And so they've trained hard so that they can be the best. And it's amazing to me that really it's an, an amazing um, feat to go to go somewhere in the world and run a race, and your goal is you want to run it one one hundredth of a second faster than anyone's ever run it before or you want to throw it one centimeter or one hundredth of a centimeter further than anyone's ever thrown it before and how mankind continually wants to go a little bit further and a little bit uh stronger or harder or faster and so that is what people have been training for that's what these olympians have been training for as they go uh and participate in the games um But you know, as we consider our lives and we consider what is the ultimate purpose, what is the reason for our existence, what should we be doing with the minutes and hours and days of our lives, how do we prepare ourselves for eternity? And it's, uh, I think it's a powerful thing to consider that God has given us the training manual. He's given us the book that allows us to understand what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing as we prepare for eternity. And so these are the ten things that I believe God wants everyone to know, every human to know, so that they can be successful, they can fulfill what their purpose, their created purpose in life for here on earth. And so we started out with that there's only one God. And, uh, everyone wins by putting God first. Everyone wins when you put God first, when you put God first in your finances, when you put God first in your relationships, when you put God first in your decision making, everyone wins when God is first. And so, uh, how do we manage that in our lives? How do we make sure that we're putting God first in all that we do? And today we're going to look at no idols, no idols, that we're not to have any idols in our life. And, uh, So a lot of people are going to get excited about the Olympics, and then as soon as the Olympics is over, um, there's going to be grown men and women that paint their entire bodies, and uh, they show up in thousands and thousands of numbers, and uh, they're going to take animals and slaughter them and put them on grills. And they're going to have idols, they're going to have statues and pictures, and they're going to go to a big coliseum, and they're going to watch these these, battle, uh, these warriors battle for victory, um, and they're going to be watching it on television as well. And I'm sure if anyone from the first century was to come and watch college football in our modern culture, they would say, hey, this is exactly what we, what we do here in the Roman times and in Greek times, and so we're not that far off with our idols as they were, and so uh, we can relate to them, they can relate to us, and so there's a problem, though, because uh, idols comes in a lot of forms, and idols can distract us in many ways, and really, I believe the biggest reason that God warns us is the second most important thing for us to understand as humans is to avoid idols is because idols are the things that keep us from him. Idols are the things that distract Idols are what we put in place of God, our relationship to God, and idols can be the thing that destroy lives more than just about anything else. Uh, we put idols in our life, and so we're going to look at the the importance of not having idols, that we worship God above all other things. C.S. Lewis, uh, the author of uh, Narnia and uh, Mere Christianity, he said this, Um, And I think it's interesting. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And I think the challenge we have is that many things in life are good. Um, Family is good, and fun is good, and health is good. All these things are good, but we can begin to worship them because we begin to think that this is what's the most important thing in life. And then it becomes an idol. And when it becomes an idol, then something that is good is being made into something that is bad. And I think if we all recognize that we have an appetite for good things, we have an appetite for something that is to fulfill, that this world cannot fulfill that. And God has created us, preparing us, because he wants us to look forward to the next world which where we will be truly fulfilled. That is why Christ came and died on the cross, is to give us the opportunity to go to the place where we'll be truly fulfilled. And so this morning, when we think about idols, and we think about the problems of idolatry in our culture and our own lives, considering the fact that, uh, unfortunately, it's a healthy place, usually, that idols start at. And they become unhealthy over time. And so the question this morning as we dive into God's word and and really ask him to speak to us is, does everyone worship? Does everyone worship? Or only us? Are we the only ones worshiping? Are the people in church the only ones worshiping? Are those who set aside time, is that only, or are there many people, is every person worshiping? And so we're going to look to God's word and we're going to consider what he has to say to us this morning. So let's precede it with prayer and ask God to speak to us. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for being righteous and just. Thank you for caring about us enough to share your words with us. And Lord, I pray as we look at what you've uh, revealed to humankind, that we would understand it, that we would apply it, and that we would live it out. Lord, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. Uh, Lord, that you would guide our hearts and our thoughts and our minds. Lord, help us to have eternal perspectives. Help us to see past the challenges and even the blessings of today and understand that everything is aligning and heading towards your eternal kingdom. Lord, we pray that you would uh, give us wisdom and discernment on how to apply these things to our lives. That we would not be hearers only, but that we would be doers of what you teach us and that we would become a little bit more like you today. Um, We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue the top 10, and we're looking at Exodus chapter 20, many of you have heard of the Ten Commandments. Many of you have seen Charlton Heston, Let My People Go. You know, this was a, a big movie and lots of people uh, that, whether they believe in it or not, watched it and enjoyed it. Um, many of us have been taught as children about Moses, uh, but I believe it's important to understand the context to fill in the back of the picture so that we understand the whole of what is going on. And so as we look at the story of Moses, we understand that Moses was called by God. And when Moses initially called by God, he's like, I'm probably not the right guy. You probably could find someone else who's more, uh, is a better speaker than I am. Uh, is I'm probably not the right choice. And yet God says, no, you're the one I want to go and do this. And so Moses obeys God and He goes to Pharaoh, who's the most powerful person at that time in the world. And he says, look, God has sent me the God, the I am the God of all creation has sent me. And he is telling me that you need to let his people go. And if you know the account in Exodus, what happens is God goes through a, a series of plagues to open the mind of Pharaoh to help him to recognize that he is the one true God. And in doing this, there's actually 10 plagues that he goes through. And if you go through the 10 plagues, what you recognize is that each one of the plagues represented a deity that the Egyptians were worshiping. Um, Today, if you grew up, maybe you have a Catholic background or you have an Episcopal background. You maybe remember something called icons or statuettes. Uh, Many churches have Marys that there were these were the types of things the Egyptians had They had deities that were sculptures that they would bring. uh, They would bring food to it. They would bring uh, an offering to the deity. And all of these these deities had a purpose. And so when I went to a certain deity, I would ask that my crops would grow. I'd go to another deity. um, I would ask for relational blessings in my life. And so the Egyptians had these deities that they would go to and they would worship and they would request um, them to do something to bless them. And so God goes through and he says, this deity is below me and not isn't even a real thing. And he demonstrates his power to all 10 of these false idols, all 10 of these false beliefs that the Egyptians have. And then when he meets with Moses. And he begins to tell him the statements, the truths of what we all need to know. He begins to tell them the things that we all need to apply to our life. He says, as his second most important truth, is that we're not to have false idols. We're not to have idols that distract us from God. We're not to have idols that keep us from the truth. And here's what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. It says, You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth below earth beneath, or in the waters below, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. And so we find that God is revealing to us one of the side effects of sin, one of the things that can be very dangerous for all of us. And whether we recognize it or not, we have idols that are all around us that are tempting us to worship them. And in many ways, we turn to idols in our most desperate times. We turn to idols when we we have uh, so many challenges in our lives that these idols become our place of hope. These idols become our place of focus. These idols become the focus of our lives. And so God says, look, there's going to be a temptation for every single one of us. No matter how young or old you are, there will be a temptation to worship an idol. And I don't know if you've looked through your life or you've considered your life. What are those things that have been idols in your life? Those things that you focused your attention on, those things that you allowed to saturate your heart, saturate your mind, saturate your emotions and saturate your attention that distracted you from God. Do we recognize that today there are idols that constantly pull people away from God? They're everywhere all the time, and there's no number to the amount of how many exist. And so God is saying, do not make an image. Do not make something, create something, and then worship that, bow down to that. And what's important to recognize is in Genesis, we're told, who are we made in the image of? Who are we made in the image of? God. And so for us, to put an image upon something else and to worship something else is actually in many ways to be uh, extraordinarily disrespectful to God because he put his image on us and when he looks at us, he wants to see himself. He created us for reflection. He created us to be a reflection of his holiness and his light and his justice and his righteousness. And when we turn and make an idol of our own in the image that we create from things that we've seen, whether in the sky, on the earth or into the water, we create something that's from our own imaginations. We deny the very truth that God created us and we are made in his image and we are not to worship anything that is made We are to worship the one who's made everything. And so that's a challenge. It's a challenge we're struck with. It's a challenge we deal with. And so in reality, we were created to only worship God. Do you recognize that this morning? You know, there are many times in my life that I have been distracted by idols. And I look at those times when I was distracted by the idols. And I realize that those are times where I missed opportunities that God had in my life. There's so many things that distract us, so many idols that want to pull us in and suck us in and take us away from the true worship of God. Have you ever truly worshiped the Lord? When you worship the Lord, you recognize the fullness. You recognize the completeness. You recognize that you're living into your created purpose. I think everyone in the world desires, whether they recognize it or not, whether they would say it or not, that they want to live into their created purpose. Every one of us in this room, we want to live into our created purpose. Well, God is saying one of your created purposes is to worship me. Do you worship me? And if not, why? And for many of us, the answer would be because these idols in our lives have distracted us and pulled us away. And God is saying, do not worship them. Do not bow down to them. Continuing on, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And so God's saying, "Look, there's a punishment. There's a penalty." And I think this is a sobering thing for us all to recognize. This is something that, when uh, when revealed, can be very overwhelming. That there are decisions you can make today. There are decisions you can make this week that would bring about sin into your life, bring idolatry into your life that you then would pass down to generations that come after you. That your choices don't just affect you. None of us live in a bubble. We all are interconnected. And the decisions I make will have an impact on my children and my children's children. And right now, there are things in your life, there are sins that have been passed down generationally to you today. Did you know that there are generational sins? Even science today has come along and said, look, in your DNA, we found that there are addictions. There are things that get passed down to you from your parents, from your grandparents. You are born with certain addictions um, because of choices that were made, that you had no choice in that matter. And God is saying, look, your decisions are so important. Your choices are so uh, valuable and have such a uh, consequence that what you do actually impacts those who come after you. And that should wake us up, and that should really help us to realize the importance of what we do on a day-to-day basis, that it, that it really does matter. But God doesn't leave it there. He doesn't say, look, feel bad about that. He actually goes on to say this. He says, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Those who listen and understand, I am your creator, I know what's best for you, and here it is, when you live this out, you're going you're to actually pass down blessing. So this morning, I want us all to stop and consider, what do we want our lives to mean? What do I want to pass down? Do I want to pass down generational curses, or do I want to pass down generational blessings? Because God is really aligning this and saying, look, every single one of us is going to pass down something. We are all interconnected. We are all part of a chain. And we're going to pass down a blessing or we're going to pass down a cursing. And it comes down to do I love God and do I serve him? And is he in, in charge of me or am I making up my own idols and making up my own ways and serving myself and worshiping myself? This is the true challenge of life. This is the challenge that sin puts on all of our table. And it says, what will you do? What will you do? Will you follow the Lord or will you resist? And so there's generational sin and there's generational grace. And grace is something we don't deserve. God gives it to us freely. And this is the beauty of it is that we don't have to earn it and we don't have to to be the ones that make it happen. God makes it happen. We just listen and obey. We just follow where he leads. And so it's God's, uh, God's power that gives us grace, and he allows us to live this out. Now we move forward to the New Testament, Colossians 3, 5, and 11. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Right? Which is idolatry. So here in Colossians, it says we got to put to death... Uh, These things, they're earthly in nature, they're part of our earthly nature, and what are they? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. One of the interesting things to note is if you look at the Egyptians, and you look at the Greeks, and you look at the Mesopotamians, and you look at all these cultures that worshipped idols, they were indulgent. Part of their culture was to to uh, have massive parties where they would lose control and lose all inhibitions and and indulge in drugs and sex and and just allow everything to go and and it was all in the name of idolatry, worshiping an idol that they had made in their own image and their own and their own natural desires. And so there's this uh, uh, unfortunately, there's a truth that when you give into idolatry, when you give into uh, What it is to not worship God you give into your flesh and you become like animals And your animal instincts take over And we talk about uh, you de-evolve you you become less of a human Right and so worshiping God allows you to grow in stature and grow in your relationship But when you worship idols you de you become less than You, You become you become controlled by natural things and not the things of God And so as we look at this, we're we're said, look, be careful because this is something that you're going to be tempted into. And so idolatry comes from within. Idolatry is something that's in our heart. Idolatry is something that we create. And says in the next verse, verse 6, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. God has to deal with this. God has to do something about this. You used to walk in these ways. We all used to walk in these ways. In the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. And do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. In verse 10, finally, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. You see, the reality is, is God is making a very strong distinction here. Jesus is making a very strong distinction here. We're either going to become like the broken, messy creation that's sin-filled, or we're going to become like our holy God who's righteous and just. And I talk about every single week being twice born, that you must be born spiritually. And when you're born spiritually, when you're twice born, born of the flesh, born of the spirit, you have a new nature. And that new nature is the Holy Spirit of God producing his fruit in your life. And so this morning we have an opportunity. We can either every single day become a little bit more like the sin-filled world, or we can become a little bit more like our holy and just creator. And that's a decision we get to make. And that's a decision everyone needs to know about. The grace of God has been given to us through Christ so that we can become holy vessels. We can become holy and just and righteous. Can you imagine a world where people spoke the truth in love? Where people respected each other's stuff? Where people respected each other? Can you imagine a world where people looked out for the benefit of others above themselves? That is the world that is based on the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. The opposite is a world where it is uh, whoever can get will get, the most powerful will get, survival of the fittest, strong will survive, eat or be eaten, in a world where the flesh and the sin and all the messiness of the world dictates what you become and that everyone falls into the worst possible of what they could be. You see, it's really clear that God is saying, look, there's two paths here and every human needs to make a decision on these paths. Grace affords us to be holy, and self-centered, self-absorption leads us to destruction. And we live in a world where it's clearly defined, but it's an intentional choice that we need to make. It's an intentional choice that you and I need to make today. Where will I focus my heart? Where will I focus my mind? What What will become of me? And it all brings us back to the question of worship. You see, there's two options. And in those two options, we either worship God or we worship a false God, which we call idolatry. And so I'm either living in a lifestyle of worship or I'm living in a lifestyle of idolatry. Every human you've ever met, you, me, everyone, is either living a lifestyle of worship or living a lifestyle of idolatry. It's really that simple. And so the question is, are we worshiping? Yes, everyone worships. Some worship idols, and some worship the one true God. The question for this morning is, who do I worship? Who is, the, who is the image? Who is the focus? Who is the thing that I focus my life on? Is it something I have created? Is it something the world has offered me? Is it something that I really control, or is it God? Does everyone worship? Yes. We were all created to worship God only. Worshiping God is the only way that life works. How many of you know someone that's struggling with something? How many of you know someone who's going through a hard time in life? How many of you know someone that, that is just, feels like life is overwhelming? You know, God puts all those types of people in our lives. He puts people that are at the edge that see no hope, see no value, frustrated with life? Do you realize that that is there because they were created to worship God and they've missed it so far? They've missed out on why they exist. And do you know that God put you and I and that person's life on purpose? On purpose. To encourage them to understand that they were created to worship God. And when they do that, when they do that, then their perspective changes. Then whatever it is in their environment, whatever it is that's, that's really difficult, it gets marginalized. It, gets, uh, it shrinks because all of a sudden there's a much bigger God who's in control. There's a much bigger um, hope than just the small hope of what this world has to offer. We need to share with people that they were created to worship God. And until they do that, they will be frustrated and they will find no true peace. How do we apply this? First, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I think this is so vitally important for all of us to live out that the fear of God, not the fear of God and I don't want to be near him, and the fear of God that somehow if I were to fall into idolatry, I would lose out on the beautiful, wonderful relationship that I can have with God. It's not necessarily even a fear of... It's more of a fear of not being with God. It's a fear of missing out. It's a fear of not being in right relationship to God. It's a fear of not living for my created purpose. It's a fear of living a whole life and missing the blessings that God has for me. That's the fear that we all should live with an understanding that if I miss God, I miss everything. I can gain the whole world. If I lose my soul, what have I truly gained? The understanding that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Yes, he can send me to hell. And yes, I need to have a reverence and understanding that he is, he is the all in all. He's the Alpha and the Omega. But even greater than that, I don't want to miss out on him. I don't want to miss out on that relationship. I don't want to miss out on that eternity. I don't want to miss out on those minutes and hours and days that God has opened the door through the grace in Christ that I can live with him. And so I think the beginning is to understand the fear of God. Is where we'll find wisdom as we worship Him. Make a strong decision on idols. That's not really an idol. It's not really a big deal. It doesn't control me. It's not really that big of a thing. We are we are amazing at convincing ourselves idols aren't idols. We are really good. I'm really good. You're really good at convincing yourself certain things are not idols. We talk ourselves into and out of these types of things all the time. And I think we need to be very intentional when it comes to what are the idols that are in my life? What are the idols that tempt me? What are my, where are my weaknesses? Where does the enemy attack me? And what idols does he use? And when you figure that out, when God reveals to you what those idols are, then clean house. We need to clean our houses. Think about how many times you need to clean your own house. Right? Now, we have had uh, a virus in our house. We've got to clean it, right? We've got to disinfect it. We've got to get the Lysol out. If we've got to clean our earthly houses, if we've got to clean our houses on a regular basis, think about our spirit. Think about our soul. That God is saying, I, I need to clean you. I need to come and refresh you. I need to help you overcome. I need, you to, be, I need to be there with you. To work these things through and so cleaning out our house God through his grace has given us the opportunity to constantly allow him to mold us and to shape us and to transform us into what he wants us to be and then finally for application worship God above everything else worshiping God above everything else when you think of worship that you're worshiping something are you worshiping God above everything else How can you be intentional about that? What are things in your life that may be distracting you from making him the number one worship in your life? The next step we all need to take is first, have we been twice born? Are you spiritually alive? If you're spiritually alive, then the Holy Spirit is going to speak. He is your counselor. He is your teacher. He is your comforter. He is the one who who gives us wisdom and guidance. He is the one that leads us through these conversations. He is the one that leads us through his words. And he says, I need you to recognize the idols in the world around. And I need you to commit to me. First John 5, 13 says, I have written these things who believe in the name of the son of God, that they may know they have eternal life. You may know it, You don't have to wonder about it or question it. You can know it for certain. And then what is God telling you? What is God saying about idols in our lives? How is God growing you and maturing you? What encouragement has he given you? What challenge has he given you this morning as we've talked about idols? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. You know, one of the things I've tried to intentionally do, and I would encourage you to do this, is say, God, what do you want me to do? God, on this decision and that decision, what do you want me to do? I'm not going to lean on my own wisdom. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I want to acknowledge you so that you can make my path straight. And when you begin to recognize that he's leading and guiding you, there's a peace that passes all understanding. And that's a peace that everyone can have. And so as we close in prayer and we consider these things, What is God saying to you? And then what is God wanting you to say to someone else? What is God laying on your heart to share with someone? Who is it in your life that God has put you on planet earth to be light and salt, to be an encourager, to point towards him, to give hope, to tell them and to show them that they are created to worship the one and true God, the creator of the universe, and that they don't have to fall into the mess of this sin-filled world but they can worship God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here. We thank you that you are.